What in the world's going on in Ukraine? Is World War III coming? Well, I don't know, but we're going to talk about why all this is happening tonight on I'm Right. Welcome to I'm Right. Let's talk about foreign policy. Russia just announced that it is carving out a big chunk of Ukraine. This is the beginning of a Russian invasion of Ukraine, as he indicated and asked permission to be able to do from his Duma. So let's begin to, uh, so I, I'm going to begin to impose sanctions in response far beyond the steps we and our allies and partners implemented in 2014. And if Russia goes further with this invasion, we stand prepared to go further as with sanctions. Who in the Lord's name does Putin think gives him the right to declare new so-called countries on territory that belong to his neighbors? We have no intention of fighting Russia. We want to send an unmistakable message, though, that the United States, together with our allies, will defend every inch of NATO territory and abide by the commitments we made to NATO. We'll probably have more to say about this as we moves on. I'm hoping diplomacy is still available. Thank you all very much. Okay. That was Joe Biden from today. Pause there for a second. Before we get to that, let's have a talk. Maybe a hard talk. It may, depending on who you are, depending on how God made you, maybe this is going to hurt. Maybe you're just going to understand it. Maybe you'll disagree. Nevertheless, what I'm about to say is true. I want you to picture a boardroom. There's a big meeting, big conference room. And what's happening here? What's happening is company A is getting together with company B, and they've decided they're going to merge together, and they have to figure out who they want to lead this new super company. And they've got it narrowed down to two candidates, just two. And candidate A, and maybe this is going to hit close to home, candidate A, not a people person. Not, not that he doesn't like people, he just is not very good at dealing with people. He doesn't understand timing, he doesn't understand how to have a conversation, maybe makes jokes at inappropriate times. He just, you know someone like this, maybe you're like this. And again, most of this is God-given. He just doesn't understand people, but... Boy, he knows both companies like the back of his hand. Math, we got the accounting here, profits look good, we got the quarter here, we got logistics here. You ask him dates and times and locations, he's all over this. I'm going to get to foreign policy in a minute. And then you have candidate B. Candidate B, he's charming guy. You know someone like this, maybe you're like this. Oh, dates and times, locations, I don't know, he didn't even study. But he walks in that boardroom and... He knows everybody's name. Even if he doesn't, he fakes it. Everyone gets a winning smile, a hug. Marty, how's your kid? Oh, man, he plays football. I played football. What position? What guy's going to get that job most of the time? Now, probably depends on what kind of person you are. It's who you're rooting for. But I will just tell you, having spent enough time in this world, Mr. Personality generally gets that job. Fair? I don't know. What's fair? I don't believe in the word, but Mr. Personality gets the job. Now, what, where, where's all this coming from? It's supposed to be about foreign policy and Ukraine and Russia and... 
It's a people world. It's a world about knowing people, what makes people tick, why people do what they do, what they might do next, what they want to hear from you, what they don't want to hear from you, timing, when do I make that joke, when do I show strength, when do I show empathy, what, it's a people world. And again, I want to stress this, maybe that's not you. I do believe most of this is God-given, just is, but it is a people world out there. Why is America's foreign policy so embarrassing? Let's be honest, there's, there's no defense of it. Decades now, we have embarrassed ourselves consistently on the world stage. Why? What's that happen? Got all these smart people, right? Harvard, Yale. I was educated here. I went to West Point. But why are so many of these people lost when it comes to foreign policy? Well, they've never lived in the real world, therefore they don't know people. Oh, they know all the dates and locations. I, I wrote my master's thesis at Harvard on Ukraine and the various regions. Oh, no, I know you did. I'm sure you can draw the lines on a map with your eyes closed. But you don't have any idea what makes people tick. That's why America sucks at foreign policy. And there's a second part of it. And this part's going to come into play today. It is time to acknowledge a bitter truth. America's Democrats, the left... Not, not, not historically, but today. They despise the United States of America. And if it looks like they're always giving something up to America's enemies or kowtowing to America's enemies, it's because they are. But why are they? It's because they see America the same way our enemies see America. An evil, racist, you know, all the things. An evil place that really shouldn't be here. I mean, we are, after all, uniquely terrible. They see America the way our enemies see it. Look, back to point one, though. It's a people business. And how long? How long have I been warning about these things? Now, let's, let's do a rewind. Before we get to Russia, Ukraine, let's just do a rewind. And I want you to understand, when I recap some of these things that may even seem old or stale, I want you to understand something, something I've been warning you about. People were watching. The evil wolves of this world were watching. When we completely botched in Afghanistan withdrawal. And, and look, we know from all the reports coming out now, stuff that you've known forever, you couldn't screw it up any worse than we screwed it up. It's not just that it looked like it was done by a bunch of America haters. It looked like it was done by a bunch of children. It, it looked like a plan that a bunch of five-year-olds would put in place. Said, no security. Oh, no, we'll be fine. Just throw everyone on the planes, guys. Oh, what, it went wrong? The world watched. The world watched after we botched that Afghanistan withdrawal as 13 of our warriors were incinerated by ISIS. The world's wolves were watching. The world's wolves were watching when we responded to that by killing civilians? We sent a Reaper drone and drone strike 10 civilians? The wolves were watching that. They were watching and they were making decisions because again, the world is not dates and locations and borders. The world is people, their people, analyzing our people, what we've done, what we will do in the future. When Joe Biden got up and said this after our guys died, it's not just that you were watching and got mad or I was watching and got mad. Vladimir Putin, Xi Jinping, pick your terrorist. They have TVs too. They were watching. Thank you.
May God bless you all, and may God protect his troops and all those standing watch for America. We have so much to do. It's within our capacity to do it. We just have to remain steadfast. Steadfast. We will complete our mission, and we will continue after our troops are withdrawn to find means by which we can find any American who wishes to get out of Afghanistan. We will find them, and we will get them out. Ladies and gentlemen, they gave me a list here. The first person I was instructed to call on was Kelly O'Donnell of NBC. What do you think Vladimir Putin was thinking when he watched that? What do you, what do you think Xi Jinping was thinking when he watched that? I know it's a punchline now to you, to me. But, but I warned you about this. This is me. This is a clip of me. You know, I love playing these. This is a clip of me from back in August. You should feel embarrassed on behalf of your nation because we look terrible to the rest of the world right now. There's not a way to put it. This is an international, international embarrassment. America has been the global superpower for your entire lifetime. It has. We took over that rule right about the end of World War I. That's when we really became top dog. And we've been top dog ever since. That's about 100 years. The world is looking right now and they're asking, are they still top dog? I mean, this is not what the top dog does. This is what some fading power does. The world was watching. And now where are we today? Where are we? Well, Vladimir Putin is still Vladimir Putin. Vladimir Putin has always been one of these old school Russian throwbacks who looks back at monsters like Stalin and admires them. And he looks back at the size of the Soviet Union, the former Soviet Union, and he wants it. He wants to get that back. He views Russia as some strong man on the world stage who, who should have a lot more than they currently have. And he's always wanted it. Remember, Vladimir Putin didn't stop being some tyrant during Donald Trump's presidency. He wanted it then, too. Weird. He did nothing aggressive during Donald Trump's presidency. But now, he feels completely comfortable declaring two different regions of eastern Ukraine to be Russia. I deem it necessary to make a decision that should have been made long time ago, to immediately recognize the independence and sovereignty of Donetsk People's Republic and Lugansk People's Republic. Those who seize the power and keep the power in Kyiv, we demand to stop hostilities immediately. Otherwise, all the responsibility for the possible continuation of the bloodbath will be on the consciousness of the regime that is ruling in Kyiv. Well, we all know what he's doing there. I say it's a war of self-defense. All the tyrants do that thing, but feels completely comfortable. And why wouldn't he? Because it's way more than just Joe Biden. It's not like we just have some doddering old fool as president and everyone else around him is pretty switched on. I mean, how childish do we look? How amateurish? How weak do we look that in response to the, the tensions, the coming threats, we sent Kamala Harris to Europe? 
the purpose of the sanctions has always been and continues to be deterrence. But let's also recognize the unique nature of the sanctions that we have outlined. These are some of the greatest sanctions, if not the, the, the strongest, that we've ever issued. Do you feel that this threat that has been looming is really going to deter him? Absolutely. We strongly believe, and, and remember also that the sanctions are a product not only of our perspective as the United States, but a shared perspective among our allies. And the allied relationship is such that we have agreed that the deterrence effect of these sanctions is still a meaningful one, especially because, remember also, we still sincerely hope that there is a diplomatic path out of this moment. What? <laughs> you know what? Okay, uh, all right. Uh, thank, thank you for those specifics, Madam Vice President. You know, could you at least uh, give us some kind of a heads up here about prices? Are we going to be okay here at home? Here was her voice of inspiration. Can you explain to Americans what exactly will they face if, well, if this happens? Sure. As the President talked about in his speech, um, we are aware that, again, when America stands for her principles, and all of the things that we hold dear, um, it requires sometimes for, for us to put ourselves out there in a way that maybe we will incur some cost. And in this situation, um, that may relate to energy costs, for example. But we are taking very specific and appropriate, I believe, steps to mitigate what that cost might be if it happens. Okay. Again, Back to what we started out with. It's really all about people. Foreign policy is not about dates and borders and locations. It's not about, I know this historical fact, what about the czar in the year 1340? It's about people. They're watching us. We're watching them. Do we have the people in place who've spent enough time in the real world to understand the thoughts, the ambitions of Vladimir Putin, of, of why he does what he does? And it goes the other way, too. When our president and vice president get up and speak, they're watching. And they're making plans based on the things they see. When we embarrass ourselves in places like Afghanistan, we're, they're watching. When we stop a Keystone pipeline here, but allow Putin to go through with his Nord Stream 2 pipeline, they're watching and they're laughing behind closed doors. These chumps, these Americans. It's a people business, it's a people world. And on top of the America-hating stuff, that's why we've been in international embarrassment foreign policy-wise for decades now. All that may have made you uncomfortable but I'm right. Francis Martel is going to join us next and help us try to unpack some of this stuff because a lot of this stuff is you know, with these weird names and things you don't understand. And it, so we're going to get Francis Martel in here to try to make us all a little bit smarter. Now, that's the ugly stuff. Here's something good. Northwest retention systems. I know a lot of you are interested in getting better with your self-defense, getting better, getting better prepared. I am. I am as well, too. Nobody's ever all the way there. I have so many things I want to improve on here and improve on there. I will just tell you, make sure you have quality gear. Quality gear. Northwest Retention Systems has the best quality gear I've ever had in my life. Holsters, 
slings, mag holders. Not only do they have great designs, I know you love the designs, but the quality is amazing because everything's custom made. Everything's custom made right here in America. Go to nwretention.com. Use the promo code JESSE. gets you 10% off. nwretention.com. We'll be back. Putin knows if I am president of the United States, his days of tyranny and trying to intimidate the United States and those in Eastern Europe are over. I'm going to stand up to him. He's a bully, just like the president. And I know he doesn't want me to be president, but to tell you what, when I'm president, things are going to change. Oops. <laughs> Joining me now, Frances Martel. She's, of course, the Breitbart News international editor. All right, Francis, I, I'm sure you know how I feel about Joe Biden. But set all that stuff aside. Why did Vladimir Putin feel completely comfortable making a move like this? He's been awfully quiet for the last four years. Why now? Well, the easy answer is that Biden told him to feel comfortable. Uh, in January, at a press conference, Biden said that if Putin engaged in a minor incursion, quote-unquote, quote Biden wouldn't act. Um, so he straight up said, you know, please do this. I am not going to intervene. Uh, can you help me explain? Because everyone remembers that, that, that Joe Biden, that, well, if it's a minor incursion, and we were horrified, everyone was horrified by it, and it was obvious how Vladimir Putin would view something like that. But do you think these kind of completely idiotic, insane-looking moves from the White House are planned? Is this Joe Biden's very feeble brain malfunctioning? What, what do you make of this? I think it's part of their worldview. They believe that all dialogue is better than nothing, um, that talking is better than acting. And so this all started last summer when they decided to remove sanctions on the Nord Stream 2 pipeline, which would have made Russia really rich. The development of it made Russia really rich. Now they have the money to do things like invade. Um, Biden chose to lift those sanctions and have a nice conversation with Putin. And then he decided to say that he's not going to get involved in the event of a minor incursion. So first he made him rich, um, and then he uh, said that he wouldn't act in, in the event of something like this. Um, and the other aspect of this is just the complete disrespect towards Ukrainian President Zelensky, which I think is based on the fact that Zelensky was a sitcom actor before becoming president, not part of the establishment, not in the club, and is being treated like a child in all of this, basically. What should we make of this Zelensky character? I don't know anything about him. I imagine most Americans don't. What do we, what do we make of him? Well, he, uh, like I said, he was part of a comedy troupe, and then he played the president in a sitcom, and the Ukrainian people were so sick of their establishment that they chose him over the incumbent, who was an oligarch. Poroshenko was a chocolate heir. Um, and I think the average American, especially those more sympathetic to uh, President Trump, who was also a reality TV star, understand frustration that led to him being elected. And so I think we should look at him and realize that he is a manifestation of how much Ukraine rejects the global establishment that I think a lot of Americans do also. Um, and during his tenure, uh, Zelensky has kind of been very true to uh, that sentiment as well. He's been very aggressive against the leaders of France and Germany and against Biden, frankly. Um, so he has also said, you know, I don't even want to be part of this. Okay. Um 
Chocolate air sounds really cool. I just have to point that out. But setting that aside for a minute, where does Zelensky go from here? I, I understand I'm asking a lot of opinion questions here, but okay, you have Vladimir Putin. He gobbles up a couple eastern regions. Is Zelensky going to be standing at the head of a Ukrainian army, daring him not to come any further? Does he pack it up and head off to the islands somewhere? Where, where, where do you go from here? Well, Zelensky was on the front lines last week, so <laughs> he, he's not moving back. Um, on Saturday, Zelensky said that he's interested in developing nuclear weapons, so this is a lot of big talk. Um, of course, it's possible that at the last minute he could retreat. Remember, the president of Afghanistan did the same thing. He came out, said he's going to fight the Taliban, and hopped into a helicopter and has not been seen, essentially. So it's possible. But um, Zelensky has been very aggressively saying, you know, I'm sticking to this fight. I'm not scared. And if you keep abandoning me, I'm going to pursue nuclear weapons. Okay, Francis, can, you brought up Nord Stream 2, and I saw today Germany basically put the pause on that, which would hurt Russia badly financially because you brought up how much money that brings to Russia. How much faith are we supposed to have in Germany to maintain those sanctions when, as far as I understand it, Germany needs Russia's gas as much as Russia needs the money? Well, absolutely, you nailed it. <laughs> I have no faith that these sanctions are going to stick. Um, I think the second this uh, drops from the news cycle, they're going to go back to business as usual. Um, but it's also notable that, you know, we, the United States, had sanctions on Nord Stream 2 that were worse for Russia than anything Germany could have done, and Biden lifted them. So uh, those sanctions are still not coming back. Um, Biden came out and said he was doing new sanctions on targeted individuals today, whatever that means. Um, but I, there's no reason to trust that Germany's going to stick to this sanctions. It's just not economically viable for them. Good grief. What about the other European nations, especially the big boys, big boys like France, UK? Where do we actually fall as far as our faith in them goes with all this nonsense? <laughs> you're, you're asking the wrong person. I have no faith in, in any of these Western European governments to do anything. Well, I don't either. <laughs> I, um, you know, they don't. They came out and they talked. Um, they are part of the club, and again, Zelensky is not. They were, you know, buddy-buddy with Poroshenko, the chocolate heir, not so buddy-buddy with Zelensky. Zelensky uh, mouthed off pretty badly at them last week, giving them no real reason to feel especially friendly towards him. So, you know, right now, the only actor that I'm most interested in here is Turkey, because Erdogan, the president of Turkey, is an Islamist who's still mad about the Crimean War, still pretty anti-Russian, and is a NATO member. So at this point, that's where I'm looking for any real action. Okay, Turkey, another country most Americans don't know much about. What kind of military capability are we talking about? Should Turkey get involved, obviously, with other nations and try to fight off some Russians? Um, well, drones. The, the big answer here is drones. Um, when Armenia and Azerbaijan had their big skirmish uh, last year in Nagorno-Karabakh, uh, Turkey sold Azerbaijan drones that ended that war in days. The drones just blew everything up and that war was over. So if uh, Ukraine purchases this technology, this is going to be a lot more painful for the Russians than it would be otherwise. Um, we don't know yet if that's going to happen, but obviously there's interest on Kiev's part and kind of have to wait and see. 
All right, for, as long as I'm nerding out on details, I can't help it. I get an expert like you on, and I want to know Russia's military capability. I know Russia's a big boy. I know about the nuclear technology. I know they're really good in space and so on and so forth. But as far as their ground troops go, from what I understand, they have a very small but very, very quality group of full-time troops, and the rest are a bunch of conscripts who don't necessarily want to be there. Is that correct? That's about it, yeah. And and something that I'm very interested in here is the sentiment of the Russian people. The Russians don't want this. They're just like us, right? They want a better economy. They want jobs. And um, Alexei Navalny, who's one of the big opposition people there, came out today and said, Ukraine is just going to be another Afghanistan for us. And like, how relatable is that, right, as an American? Um, so I don't think the Russians are even going to want to be recruited into this war. Like, what kind of morale is that military going to have? Um, at the same time, you know, the Ukrainians aren't a major military power. So um, I'm not saying that, you know, the Russians are going to get obliterated, but there's going to be a morale problem for sure. And uh, in terms of, like, the training and ability, there's going to be an issue there. Francis Martel, thank you so much. I appreciate you. Thanks so much for having me. How about that? All got a little bit smarter. And we're going to keep getting smarter because Miranda Devine joins us next. She wrote the book about Hunter Biden's laptop. It was all about Ukraine. What's the connection here? What, what are we missing? Let's ask Miranda Devine about that next. But let's talk about home title lock for a second. You're not going to care very much about foreign policy if somebody steals your home title, takes out a loan against it, and gets you evicted from your house. It's amazing how little you care about Russia and Ukraine when you come home to a notice on the door saying, get out. That's happening right now in this country. People are being evicted or they're having to spend tens of thousands of dollars in legal fees to try to unwind these things. Home title theft is just out of control. Law enforcement cannot get ahead of it, at least at this point. They hack into your home title. All your home titles are online. They forge your signature on it. They take a loan or loans, plural, out against it. All you start getting is late notices in the mail. They take off with the money. Go to HomeTitleLock.com and sign up today because they will detect any tampering and shut it down like that. HomeTitleLock.com. We'll be back. Ukraine. It's weird that so much is going on right now with Ukraine. I mean, it's, it's uh, man, I almost, I almost... I almost think back to this from 2018. Press conference said, nah, I said, I'm not going to, we're not going to give you the billion dollars. They said, you have no authority. You're not the president. The president said, I said, call him. <laughs> I said, I'm telling you, you're not getting the billion dollars. I said, you're not getting the billion. I'm going to be leaving here. And I think it was what, six hours. I looked, I said, I'm leaving in six hours. If the prosecutor's not fired, you're not getting the money. Well, son of a <laughs> Let's keep in mind the Biden family has their fingerprints all over this region, and I am curious about connections. And if you want to know about the Biden family and corruption, there's only one place to go. Her name's Miranda Devine, author of a book you really should read, Laptop from Hell, Hunter Biden, Big Tech, and Dirty Secrets that the, pre the President Tried to Hide. She's also, of course, with the New York Post. Miranda, all right, I don't want to be a watch-too-much TV guy, but I see a lot of things going on in Ukraine that don't make sense to a lot of Americans. The Biden family has their fingerprints all over Ukraine, Hunter and otherwise. What should I be seeing here? 
Well, Jesse, it's interesting that you played that um, quite famous clip now of Joe Biden boasting about forcing the Ukrainian government to fire their chief prosecutor, Viktor Shokin. Now, I've often wondered why he did something so stupid as to draw attention to really what was a very corrupt act, using or threatening to withhold $1 billion of US aid when he was vice president, unless Viktor Shokin was fired. Now, this was the prosecutor that was investigating Verisma, the company that was paying his son Hunter Biden $83,000 a month. And Viktor Shokin has since said in interviews with Ukrainian media that uh, he was just about to start subpoenaing and interrogating Hunter Biden and his friend Devin Archer. So um, it, it, the quid pro quo there was palpable. So why did Joe Biden go and so publicly boast about it? Well, I think it was because he knew that there were going to be investigations into that act and that the heat was on him. So he fessed up like this in this boastful way to sort of give him cover. And it worked a treat because, uh, you know, the media, the Democrat-friendly media anyway, the New York Times, Washington Post and so on, bought his story that Victor Shokin, the prosecutor, was corrupt and that's why he had to be, um, you know, done away with. But in fact, Victor Shokin, um, just a, a couple of weeks before Joe Biden insisted that he be fired, had seized the property of Nikolai Slachevsky, who was the owner of Burisma, basically Hunter Biden's boss. They'd seized uh, his property that were in Kiev, mansions and plots of land and even his Rolls-Royce car. So there was an active investigation going on into Burisma corruption and there are also lots of emails going on between Burisma and Hunter Biden uh, asking him for various favours. They wanted Joe Biden and the other people that were he had influence over in the administration, in the Obama administration, um, to do various favours for Burisma, for Zlochevsky, its owner, to get the, the heat of international law enforcement off him. Did Joe Biden do any of these favours? Do we know? Do we suspect? Well, he, he got the prosecutor fired. I mean, there's no bigger favour than that. Uh, yeah. After after Shokin was fired, uh, Patsy was put into that role, um, and and the Burisma investigation basically wound up going nowhere. And uh, and and you know Zlachevsky paid a, a couple of million dollars in fines and uh, was allowed back into the country. And you know there are emails from State Department. Uh, sort of middle-ranking State Department employees throughout Joe Biden's vice presidency, um, you know, drawing attention to this real conflict of interest between uh, Hunter Biden and his enrichment and uh, Joe Biden and, and the Obama administration's message that they were constantly sending to Ukraine that they had to clean up corruption there. It's a very corrupt country. Uh, but but, you know, that was at odds with Joe Biden's own family's corruption, their enrichment uh, through this very corrupt uh, energy company and its owner, who had been the energy minister in the previous uh, administration, the Russia-aligned administration. Um, and, and, I mean, Zlachevsky is aligned with Russia. 
Burisma is a Russia-aligned com uh, company. So, um, you know, this idea that Hunter Biden has put out in, in sort of mitigation of, of his taking the money, that he was somehow helping uh, Ukraine become energy independent uh, is not true. The opposite is the case. Uh, Burisma was aligned with Russia just as its owner, Zlachevsky, had been an energy minister in the previous Moscow-aligned uh, company. And in fact, uh, regime. And in fact, everybody that Hunter Biden was involved with in Ukraine is aligned with Moscow. All right, Miranda, you just outlined a lot of this, but I, I need you to pretend for a second that I'm really dumb, which I know will not be difficult for you. <laughs> you say you say Ukraine is a very corrupt place, and I hear that a lot. In what way? What what is what is what makes it a corrupt country? Well, you have to pay bribes to uh, officials to get anywhere, you know, to get a job, um, to, uh, you know, you can bribe your way out of all sorts of legal difficulty. Um, you know, I guess there's bribes for property transactions. Um, you know, I, I had someone from Russia come up to me um, when I was doing a book signing saying, you know, in Russia, in Ukraine, we don't really understand why Americans are getting all head up about um, this this Joe Biden uh you know, influence peddling operation because that's just the way we do business in those countries. And it is. Uh, the countries that the Bidens were doing business with, Romania, Kazakhstan, uh, Ukraine, Russia, China, um, that's just normal, that kind of corruption, that greasing of palms. Um, in fact, in China, where uh, Hunter Biden was, was taken by Joe Biden when he was vice president on Air Force Two, um, when Joe Biden was supposed to be engaging in high-level talks with President Xi and the CCP hierarchy on behalf of America and the very important national security issues that uh, America had, um, he brought Hunter Biden along uh, and Hunter Biden uh, thereafter had a, a very lucrative business deal um, and Joe Biden during that trip met one of his business partners. Um, everybody in China knew exactly what it meant when Hunter Biden got off Air Force Two with his dad. This was uh, a princeling someone who in China and these other countries, you don't give the bribe directly to the high official, you give it to a family member, a trusted son or daughter, uh, and that's Hunter Biden's role. He was the princeling, he was the bag man, he was the sort of plausible deniability uh, so that Joe Biden could run around saying, I don't know anything about my son Hunter's overseas business dealings, he's his own man, he's a 50-year-old middle-aged man, what he does is his own business. Well, that wasn't true because Joe Biden was intimately involved in this business. Uh, he was the product they were selling, but also he was uh, meeting with Hunter's overseas business partners in Washington, in Beijing. Um, he brought them to his own uh, house in uh, vice presidential residence in Washington. He met them at the Cafe Milano Italian restaurant in Georgetown. Um, he was involved. And there's also evidence on the laptop uh, and also in Tony Bobolinsky's material that he handed over to the FBI. He's Hunter Biden's, uh, another one of his former business partners. Um, there's evidence that Joe Biden was financially benefiting personally from Joe Biden, from Hunter Biden's business. Good grief. The book is The Laptop from Hell. Miranda Devine, thank you so much. I appreciate you. Thank you, Jesse. Great to talk to you. All right. We got a lot more for you here. What's going on with the Canadian truckers? I mean, what's going on in Canada, period? We'll give you an update on that here in just a second. But let's talk about Eden Pure for just a moment. 
I love that you love them. So let me tell you something. Don't stop sending me emails about them. It blesses me when I get these emails about them. Jesse, Eden Pure took away my allergies. Jesse, I thought you were lying. This is the greatest thing ever. When I tell you this is the greatest air purifier you'll ever buy, that's what I mean. The thing is incredible. You don't even know. I'll be honest with you. The wife keeps a clean home. I didn't know we had odors, but you do. You cook in there, pets. You exist in there. You put out odors, especially if you're a hippie. Eden Pure cleans the air. It cleans the air constantly. It doesn't cover up odors. It cleans it out of your home. I own three of them. I keep one where I sleep. We keep one where the boys sleep. We keep one in the living area. Eh, probably not going to be the last three I own either. And they have a three-pack for my viewers. If you go to EdenPureDeals.com and use the code JESSE, you get a three-pack for under $200. That's $200 in savings. EdenPureDeals.com, code JESSE. We'll be back. We like to honor greatness on this show. This is something we've always, we've, we've, look, whether it's sports greatness, whatever, whoever achieves highly on this show, we choose to acknowledge and we don't celebrate enough greatness in this society. And on occasion, we like to also acknowledge when there are Congress people who actually do good things as well. So we get to do both those things with our next guest here. Joining me now, the first winner of the Jesse Kelly Show, hottest woman in Congress list, Congresswoman from Colorado, Lauren Boebert. Congresswoman, first and foremost, before we get to all the news of the day, I want to congratulate you on such a high achievement and hope you got our certificate. I see you did get our certificate, and I want to make sure you also got the gift card we sent along with it. I got it. Look at that, Jesse. How's okay. that? That's outstanding. <laughs> and, uh, outstanding. And, 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 Jesse, I do think that 2743 is under the gift limits, um, but if we check with ethics and it's over, this is coming right back to you. Yes, ma'am. I understand that. We're going to do the best we can to up that to 30 next year, depending on how the show does. But moving forward, the second hottest woman in Congress, she was the runner-up this year, AOC, went on Twitter and whined once again, like she always does, after she got busted in Florida without a mask on. And Congresswoman, I do have to ask, Pelosi, AOC, that scumbag Phil Murphy in New Jersey... Why do all these COVID lockdown loving politicians all vacation to Florida when it's such a dangerous place? I just, I can't seem to figure it out. You know, we've seen this from the beginning uh, with these COVID tyrants and all of their lockdowns and mandates. They're for the peasants, they're not for them. And so they enjoy freedom. They, they enjoy parties and smiling and being maskless. Uh, but, you know, the rest of us and our children in school, we have to be bound and obey our rulers. Yeah, I, I think it basically comes down to that. But I do have to ask, I mean, obviously, I know coronavirus is real. It's killed people. There's no question about it, especially old people, fat people are uniquely in danger from it. I, I get that. But why are these people not worried about coronavirus? Because they sure are telling everyone else to be worried. It doesn't seem like they're worried. 
it doesn't seem like they're worried and and that's why they're going about living their lives but they want everyone else uh to stay indoors not work to have our children masked in school uh because maybe that would affect them then uh right now when everyone's locked up you know they can go out and not be in contact with a lot of people if they don't if they don't have to be uh dc is kind of a ghost town right now and so the ocs of the world can wander all around dc and not encounter too many people because they have them all fearing for their lives on a daily basis. But uh, D.C. is really the epicenter uh, for all of this hypocrisy. We have been following political science only. And uh, it's interesting, while Americans are being punished for a Fauci-funded Chinese virus, uh, D.C. are playing political theater games with it. Members get charged $2,500, fined $2,500 for not wearing a mask on the House floor. Now, Jesse, I've already told Nancy Pelosi she could kiss my mask, and several other members have said the same, and we are not wearing masks on the House floor because as soon as you step outside of those chambers, the masks are no longer required to that extent. We're no longer fined. And uh, so it's all political theater. It's only where the C-SPAN cameras are rolling. Even the dear, sweet darling of the left, AOC, is caught on the Capitol steps outside with a group of people, a very large group. And uh, somebody says, let's take a picture. And she said, oh, we're taking a picture. Let's put on our masks. Puts on the mask, takes a stupid picture, takes it right back off. That sounds about right. All right, let's move on to the news of the day, or at least the news of the time right now. Joe Biden, he had something to say about the Constitution when he was talking about the Supreme Court. There's always a renewed national debate every time we uh, nominate any president nominates a justice, because the Constitution is always evolving slightly uh, in terms of additional rights or curtailing rights, et cetera, and it's uh, always an issue. The Constitution is always evolving, Congresswoman. Now, I have a copy of it. Mine hasn't been updated. Does it, do I have to plug it in or something? <laughs> Maybe it needs an update. And uh, sure, it, it evolves when the American people pass a constitutional amendment, which has happened 27 times. But it's not living in the sense that the words change meaning based on whatever some woke judge judges wish at that time. Uh, if Biden wants to talk about something that's dramatically evolving, let's talk about his poll numbers that looked like polling numbers when he got elected, then started looking like a football score. And now he's in danger of looking like a baseball score or a soccer score. Literally, no one supports the guy. Which is your least favorite of the amendments? Oh, gosh. I, I mean, I guess uh, the prohibition, but we fixed that, right? <laughs> yes, we did. Yes, we certainly fixed that. <laughs> Thank you, Lord. Got all right, wrong, all right. Got got you. <laughs> Nancy Pelosi, this is a rumor out today. I don't, I don't want to spread rumors unfounded, but the rumor is that Nancy Pelosi is going to cap each party to 25 people for Joe Biden's State of the Union address, which I'm sure will be a riveting, absolutely riveting affair. What I can't understand is the political game behind it. Everyone knows Joe's unpopular, as you just pointed out. I get that. I, I understand she's going to use coronavirus as a justification, but everyone knows this woman is not worried about coronavirus. What's the game here? What am I missing? Jesse, this is Nancy Pelosi 101. Keep as many people out of the Capitol as possible. 
look, we know what what the Biden approval rating is. It is so low, they're probably worried that no one will even clap when he enters the chamber. And they're not going to want to blame the silence on COVID. I'm just surprised he's not building a house chamber set like his White House set so he can do <laughs> the address from a studio like he does everything else. Why can't we have a fake house chambers? <laughs> All right, finally, it. Nancy... Nancy Pelosi asked she's running for re-election. And while I am glad you're in Congress, and for more reasons than just uh, being the hottest woman in Congress, I'm glad you're there. I don't assume you want to be there until you're 8,000 years old. What? Why would you run? She's 81. She's rich. What? I don't understand the addiction to this lifestyle. Is it that much fun being in Congress? You know, I don't really understand it either. Um, Nancy Pelosi can run for re-election, and I'd be surprised if she doesn't win, but she sure as heck won't be returning to the Capitol as speaker. So I am very happy about that. I, I can promise you that. And Nancy Pelosi, I mean, she's kind of like Burger King. No one that I've ever met wants it, but apparently someone somewhere out there is keeping it around, and I just can't figure <laughs> out why. Uh, but, you know, I, I think this is a great strategy for all of the um, Republicans who are being challenged by Democrats this session. You get Democrats as saying that they're going to, to change uh, to change things, make things different, to com combat inflation and supply chain crises. No, they're going to come here and work for Nancy Pelosi. I'm here. I live it. I see it. Democrats work for Nancy Pelosi, period. So um, I, I think every Republican in the nation is running against Nancy Pelosi. Congresswoman Boebert, thank you again for what you do, and congrats on your prestigious award. <laughs> Thanks so much, Jesse. All right, we got Light in the Mood next. But have you downloaded the app yet, the first TV app? You know it's free, right? The app is free. Just go to the app store and download it. Put it on your phone. Put it on your pad. Put it on your television set. Go download the First TV app, all right? And while you do that, become a supporter. Go to thefirsttv.com slash support. Then you get access to all of our behind-the-scenes stuff, all of our specials, everything, all right? All right, next is Lighten the Mood. Everyone remembers where the old Let's Go Brandon thing came from, right? Came from racing fans. We had a reporter out there. She was interviewing some guy who just won a race. His name was Brandon. And then the camera, of course, pans over to the crowd. And there's a chant going on in the crowd. A chant I'm not going to repeat here because this is a family show. Always will be a family show. But the chant was, beep Joe Biden. And you can use your imagination there. The reporter then follows it up and says, listen to him chant. Let's go, Brandon. How inspiring. Uh, apparently, race fans aren't quite done with that whole thing because uh, <clears throat> this happened at Daytona. Gentlemen, right here, right here. My friend, how are you this morning? I'm doing good. What are you going to sign on that finish line? What do you think I'm going to sign? I'm going to sign Joe Biden. Oh, no, no, no. We're not doing that. Sorry about that. That was live. That's the, that's the risk we have here when we broadcast live from the track. Let's see if we can find a family here. I love the American flag shirt. What are you going to sign on the checkered line? Um, I just did. Would you like to see what I wrote? Well, just tell me. Is it clean? It's not clean. We'll pass. I will pass. Well, happy birthday, Michelle, maybe what we'll put on there. Michelle's got to be right here. <laughs> is, is there anyone who didn't write that? 
All right. I'll see you tomorrow.